welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about the autonomy of choice and the inevitability of consequence. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And this week, I surprised him right away with a fancy line to kick it off. <laughs> autonomy. <laughs> this week, we're going to cover chapters 17 through 20 of Fate of the Jedi, book five, Allies. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did it again. Got it right. And uh, I, I'll say the same thing I said to Tim before we started. This was the first time I was bored reading this book. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. But hey, that's not bad. No. no. And mostly I think I was just tired, so <laughs> that's probably on me. Uh, but first, bum, bum, bum. Previously, on Forever Canon, Jaina needs a favor, not a fiancé. A comfortable cage still confines. The Jedi Temple is besieged by Mandos again. And Ben is betrayed. Breaks it off with his teenage girlfriend. But that was last week. This week we start with chapter 17. Mm -hmm. And we jump around a lot of different spaces and perspectives in chapter 17. And we don't get one single location heading. Not once. No, we don't. Weird. It's just weird the picking and choosing of when these things appear and when they don't uh, it's almost seems arbitrary sometimes yeah or maybe there's some weird reason behind i know it. like it's like we only shift into their perspective a certain percentage or something <laughs> like i don't know right it must be like i don't know it could be a, it could be a purposeful choice or it could just be i uh, something that you just don't think about yeah <laughs> and you're like ah this time we don't need them i don't know but chapter 17 starts without one of those headings and we start with, well, last week we started with Luke being tired. Mm-hmm. Or we ended with that? We started. We started, we started with that. Yeah, yeah. This week we start with Luke asleep. <laughs> and he's waking up from his sleep wherein his ghost wife, sending him feelings of love and concern, is urging him to hurry on to the maw. And Luke knows, quote, it was the right decision. I don't know. Because he's wrong a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and there's only one thing out in that direction that we could know would want him over there. Yeah. And it doesn't. I My first guess wouldn't be his wife. Nope. So is it Mara? Is it ghost Mara urging Luke to head to the Maw? It feels like her. He's convinced. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He is the Jedi Grandmaster. Yeah. It feels like all the good feelings that he got with her, but... And then I had this other weird question when I, every time he, he, he's had these dreams twice now and these feelings and it's like, go to the mall. And the first time I was like, what if it's Abeloth? And then this time I was like, what if the Sith are working with Abeloth? Oh. Cause I don't think we've talked about that yet. I didn't think of that either. Because where did she go and where did ship go? She, she had so many of them under her control already. Like captive right mm -hmm. when they were left their planet what if the sith are working with abeloth to capture luke and they plan to double cross her or something as they would right as they do they're like we'll be we'll be the dominant figure here at some point in this <laughs> in this negotiation i don't know just thought i had yeah i didn't think of that one what, i just thought abeloth's doing bad things yeah thought definitely not mara's ghost no because it just seems too easy mm-hmm like yeah when a character wakes up from a dream with total certainty that that wasn't a bad thing 
I am less certain. Yep. You know, that's just me, though. Ben is sad that Vistara is using his interest to gather information, but can't tell her that because he needs to gather information. The game continues. (laughs) He's not happy about it either, and he's not great at hiding his disappointment. No. It's the first time he's, he's ever liked the girl that he's spent time with and liked him back. And it turns out she's playing it up to conquer the galaxy or whatever the Sith end goal may be, you know? Yeah. Vistara, on the other hand, pops into the cockpit and says, show me the med bay, all the secrets inside of it, and quit locking me in my room. For your own good. What happens if something happens and I'm locked in the room? What happens if you two get hurt and I'm the only person available to help you? What happens if Dion's dad gets loose and I'm locked in my room? Hey, that's not cool. Quit locking me in my room. (laughs) She's got a point. She's got a lot of good points. And Ben thinks that. And Luke even says, I hate to agree with a Sith twice in a day or whatever. Or whatever he says, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And well, who wouldn't? But she wants... Uh, you know, it's it's this, it's that dichotomy of she's making a good logical point, but for sure with an ulterior motive mm-hmm. of gathering information, yep. right? But you can't deny her because she's not wrong. On the other hand, Ben just can't stop thinking about Vistara. He knew she was a Sith, knew that she was trying to manipulate him, but blasted, he also knew that on some level she cared. She was trying to drag him over to the dark side, but what if he could bring her to the light side? There was good in her. He'd felt it in the Force. She wasn't like Jason, not yet. She was much more like Tahiri. True, she'd been born Sith and raised with a whole planet full of them, but maybe she was Sith because that's all she knew. Maybe it was if she was shown another path, she'd take it. Finally, somebody has the entire thought yeah. uh, coherently. Yeah, completely laid out. It's not a thought out loud, but it's all cogent and it's all been turned to words. Mm-hmm. You know? And all, uh, can I get a hell yeah? Because hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do this, man. Come on, Ben. You can do it. And the pr- comparison for him to Tahiri is not accidental, right? No. Comparing Vistara to Tahiri in terms of saveability is not accidental because how many people has he saved from the dark side? Tahiri. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I did it to her who was a similar feeling and I would much rather compare Vistara to Tahiri because then I can tell myself mm-hmm. that I can save her if I compare her to Jason. But she doesn't feel that kind of evil, you know. But yeah. here comes Jason being brought up, huh? Somebody's thinking about him. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa! He exists in memory. Imagine that. You don't just forget about the people in your family who go crazy and try to take over the world and have to be killed by their twin sister. You don't just forget that <laughs> at all moments of every day of your adventure. It comes up from time to time. Occasionally. And I'm here. I'm here for that. I want more of that. Everyone prepares to head to the Maw because, quote, it was the right decision. Luke calls the Sith. He's like, let's go. Lando can catch up with us there. And then everybody ends up deciding that we got to leave some ships behind in case we need to relay messages across the galaxy. Because once we go in the Maw, we're out of contact of everything. Right? It's very dangerous to go to the Maw. It's very secluded and unreachable. 
Isolated. Isolated. Dangerous in so being isolated, right? Mm-hmm. That is very much part of the inherent danger. The isolation, the removal from contact, communication, backup, essentially, yeah. right? So everyone prepares to head to the Maw, except for two Sith ships that stay behind and try to steal some of the ancient sacred fountain glass. Wouldn't you know it? They're bad guys. They don't <laughs> yep. give a shit about your rules. We want to learn. Yeah, and that we came wanna... up immediately as soon yeah. as... Uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? On Talon? That? Yeah. Sarasu Talon. The yeah. High Lord. As soon as he saw it, it's like, oh, I want some of that. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as they got there, like eight chapters ago. Yep. He was like, oh, oh no. don't touch it, huh? I'm gonna. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me no on the phone, huh? Well, I'm gonna. And then, well, sure as shit, they do. And it turns out, it's almost impossible to cut apart with lightsabers. And then we get like a pretty, pretty gnarly massacre scene Mm -hmm. where, in case it hasn't been clear throughout this book so far, there's a special frozen glass fountain on Klaatooine that nobody is allowed to bring technology within a kilometer of, including anybody who might be trying to defend that fountain. (laughs) Yeah. This sacred, ancient, magic thing. So the Sith come with guns and lightsabers, and they're like, zip, 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 we're going to cut some of this shit off and take it with us to study it. What is it? It's a unique element in the universe, yep. in the galaxy. It's nowhere else. There's no no one's ever had Wintrium and studied it because it's illegal to touch it, right? Well, when you can't defend the place, I don't know what you're going to do. They come running in with steel swords and shields mm-hmm. and spears, and, Nets and what do you think happens against force users and lightsabers? They get one of the Sith. The yeah. Sith get 50 or so of them. Yeah, and they get one in a pretty bad way Gruesome. herself. Like, they melt her with acid. Yeah, one of the we- they hit her in the gut with one of the weapons, and it's covered in acid. And yeah. slowly eats through her, <laughs> through her suit, and then she realizes it's eating my body. <laughs> she just uh, she sits just there and takes it. Lays down and dies quietly like a good Sith. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a direct quote from the book. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Chapter 18. Location heading. Aboard the Star Killer, which is one of those two Sith ships that was left behind. The Klaatuinians, the dog folks, are calling the huts, the slug folks, for backup to protect the fountain. That's what their 25,000-year-old <laughs> treaty is all about. Yep. You protect this glass magic fountain, and we will be your slaves in perpetuity. Yep. Forever. Us and the Nikto, apparently. That gets swept under the rug and mentioned at one point. Yeah, it's just because But nobody's once. trying to save them, huh? Nope. <laughs> We're just really focused on the Klaatuinians. But all right, all right, all right. They're calling for backup, and turns out the Sith on the Starkiller don't even give a flip. We cut to... Inside the elders palace where it turns out all the elders, all the old dogs are left helpless by their hut protectors, hopeless by their naive beliefs. And the clat dogs can only sit and cry over waiting for help. That's it. That's all they can do. Yeah. There's the yelling. huts never left them with enough to protect themselves. Turns out they couldn't get there in time to stop the fountain from being defiled. Well, all they can do is sit and cry and wait for help to arrive. Millennia of their uncomfortable treaty inevitably betraying them. Like this living in this this perceived comfort, right? That comfortable cage. Yeah. Where it's like if you 
you are stronger than us, and we believe that you are strong enough and sent here by the ancients or whatever, ancestors, to protect us and the fountain. Talking about the huts. Yeah. So for like all this time, we're just kind of riding on the coattails of if anything ever happens, someone else is going to save us. Yep. Well, it turns out, no. Nope, not at all. Like, you, it's, you can't teleport. So if there's not a big slug there protecting the thing directly, and you're not allowed to bring anything within a... Like, what a backfiring bunch of beliefs and laws. You know, like, it's all just coming back to bite them in the ass. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing you can do. No, there's nothing they can do except sit there and cry. And we cut to aboard the rock hound where Lando's here. Yep. And he's got a cool droid. I just, I like this droid. His whole ship is just droids. It's him and a bunch of droids. That's true. He's here with the, the rock hound is the gravity, the magic gravity ship that's going to make it easier to navigate the maw. And it's just Lando and a crew of like 30 droids, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty, I don't know. You know, it's pretty in and out of character for him. Yeah. As much as he is a, a people person and stuff, he is also that uh, that isolated uh, nomad type mm. of guy. And super rich bastard that can have all these droids. Right. A droid like Ornate straightened and turned her head globe to regard him with her three blue photoreceptors. The transparent globe was alive with the sparkles of her processing unit. And her bronze body casing was decorated with comets and stars. She was extremely old. Functioning well and as lovely as any piece of art. She's got comets and stars printed <laughs> on her metal body, dude. That's cool. Yeah. That's just a cool droid. She's and, got a personalized touch. I never thought of that. And her head is like a Tesla orb thing. Yeah, with, with three glowy <laughs> balls in it. She's like Mysterio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I was like, that's a cool droid, man. I don't know. Not, it's not important. I just, every once in a while. You get something new like that where it's like we I don't I've never had a personalized detail like that come up on a droid before. No. And it's not it's not like he stamped the droid or whatever. She's just like a fancy antique. Yep. She's ancient and valuable art. Like so much of this book is like echoing over and over again, right? Yeah. Just a standout droid with an on the nose name. Ornate. <laughs> And I wondered if that was like, I'm like, is there going to be some alphanumerical uh, short form or like actual designation of this? O-R-N-8. dash 8 or something. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but no, he just calls her by her whole name. Like that's her name. Like you're a, you're a person. Yeah. So that's good. Lando's out there on the rock hound arriving outside of Klaatooine and the hut ships start showing up to attack the two Sith leave behind ships who have defiled the ancient fountain. Yep. The huts are here. Ten ships strong, like ten minutes too late. Really didn't take them that long. No. But the treaty says you're going to prevent anybody from ever doing anything bad. Yeah. Like, you didn't. Yeah. I don't know. They're a couple minutes too late. Yeah, a couple minutes too late. And the Sith down on the surface are calling Lando for help. Because they, they're they working with Luke, and they know he's here to meet up with Luke, right? So they're like, hey, Lando Calrissian, come and help the Sith fight the Huts." <laughs> and, like, that just has so much potential for wacky craziness, right? And then, to dial it up even more, 
Jaina Solo shows up in a stealth axe, and this is going to be a fun team up. She's like, hey, Uncle Lando. Yeah. Wow. Jaina and Lando are going to fight with the Sith against the Huts until instead they're going to be judges deciding the fate of this ancient treaty. Yeah, because yeah. Lando puts in a call to an old friend, one of the dog people. Yes, who happens to be like second in command elder. Yep. Who once lived the smuggling life himself, blah, 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 whatever it may have been. But I was just like, man, that balloon deflated quickly. (laughs) Jaina zips in an invisible ship. Lando's in a ship with just robots. The Sith are calling for help against the Huts, who are just uh, an always over, I don't know, overshadowing menace on parts of the galaxy, right? Mm -hmm. So cool, so cool. We need you two to be arbitrators in a, in a small court case. Please be our jury yeah. and judge. And chapter 19, Clatooine. There's riots, riots, riots because the fountain has been touched. It's broken. The treaty is yep. broken. 25,000 years of stability and all that simmering upheaval over the injustice and the inequality. It comes bursting through the surface immediately. At the first possible outlet for that tension. Yeah, and there's thousands of people trying to get close to that fountain. Tens of thousands yeah. by nightfall, Lando says, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, man. It's it's bang. It, it explodes into like a w- unstoppable wildfire over this singular, although massive, incident. Yes. Right? There's been all that simmering tension beneath the surface where when we were talking to Dog Boy in the food market with mm-hmm. the crazy fruit. That the star chokes on, on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking to him and he's like, you know what? Young people hate being slaves and we're going to revolution, baby. We're going to revolt. And then the slightest, not slightest, a massive infraction happens and it's like volcanic eruption, riots, riots, riots. And they're saying across the galaxy, all their, their pockets of civilization, right? Because all of these, all of these, um, species are dispersed across the galaxy. Very few of them are like the Sith and Kashiri mm-hmm. and trapped on one planet for a thousand years at this point in time. Pretty much, uh, there's there's thousands of known species spread across the galaxy. So there's dogs snapping off leashes all over the place, yeah. barking and biting hands and feed them every time they chance to get you know, blowing up across the galaxy, right? And so, Jaina and Lando head... To the court that they'll be presiding over. More courtroom drama like I wanted before. Kong Kong. <laughs> Except I don't care about this treaty or the dog people. I didn't, because I it's didn't. all kind of been like very obviously set up from the beginning. Yeah. We're like, we're this is this tension is going to boil over. Like it's going to hit a snapping point. Because slavery's bad. Like I don't I don't care mm-hmm. about this treaty. Throw it in the garbage. It's bad. You yeah. Know? I don't care about the dog people because they should be doing this. Like, that's all. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It, it It's a lower level of interest compared to the other courtroom I want to be in. There's a there's a visual that they give us here that Jaina's pretty short. Apparently. Well, yeah, she's like she's like uh, closer to Leia's height. Because yeah, she, she sits in the chair that she's in her judge chair and her feet are dangling. Right. She's... <laughs> Yeah. And then she's used to it. Yeah. So she's... Well, it's like it's like Luke and Leia, right? Leia being smaller, Luke being quite a bit taller. That's the Jaina and Jason thing. 
Yeah. Where he's closer to Han Solo's height, she's closer to her mother Leia's height, and Leia is like five foot four. Yeah. Like she's small. Yeah. <laughs> Smol. Very small. <laughs> I always picture Jaina uh, just like a little bit taller. Well, because like, she's like a tank ass kicking machine, right? Like yeah, she's a badass. Maybe that's why. And it's like you just automatically picture her as physically dominant over her opponents as well. Yeah. Because she is with her uh, with her feats and yeah, stuff. with her abilities, her and feats that, yeah. of strength. Yes. But now nah, she's she little. <laughs> she's a little. She's one. a tiny little sword. <laughs> Dang sharp though. She's yeah. Still sharp. You know, just like that, I don't know, you know, just no matter how short the sword is, it's still dangerous. I don't know. I just didn't care about this part. And um, we're sitting here waiting for court to begin. Jaina and Lando presiding. Judge Jaina. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And the Honorable Lando Calrissian presiding. And the Sith enter the courtroom and Jaina remembers that Jason existed. She swallowed hard, remembering her last fight with Jason. (gasps) Knowing that with his death, that awful scent that was not a scent, referring to the darkness swirling around the Sith, Mm -hmm. that awful scent that was not a scent had ceased to permeate his soul. He had been dark and powerful, but there was a newness to his familiarity with the dark side. Look it. she, She remembered her brother. And he's like, he was not, he's not all that bad compared to these guys. Yeah. He's just got, he had a little bit of that new, new stink on him. It was fresh. It was an easy stain. You know, she calls these guys old, old stains. The darkness that like permeates them. Right. Yeah. They're, they're dark side through and through. But I just, this is an appropriate moment to be thinking of your brother. And maybe it seems a little too fan service to have it happen too often, but it's realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you killed your brother, your twin brother. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to episode, I don't know, 80 something. Something like that. Find, find out about it. But for him to just pop into her memory, just like he did for Ben, he was very important in these people's lives, especially at the end, being such a central figure of their that focus, yeah, of their, their attention, their of their collective goals, struggles. Of, of, yeah, <laughs> just of trying to keep the galaxy together right mm-hmm. it was he was a very important very focused goal and i just i want more people to remember him more i think because uh i miss that guy i want more jason bring him back bring him back we got we got three and a half books left four and a half books left we can get back mm-hmm. we can resurrect the dead right i'm sure there's a way ben can turn him right <laughs> jana can save him right okay back to the trial i guess see how much i don't want to talk about this uh, the Sith lie. The lady says, uh, so-and-so did this without... Yeah, they, uh, they went off book. Yeah, he wasn't ordered to do that. How dare you do that, sir? And she turns on the guy. Uh, the hut says, uh, we did our best and shrugs his shoulder. We were here and as fast as we could get here. What do you, what, what more yeah. can you expect? And ultimately, Jaina and Lando render their verdict, whatever it may be, and the elder dog immediately says, quote, Thanks. This is not a quote. <laughs> Thanks, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. He says to them, the decision you've made in this courtroom doesn't matter, which means extra textually, this chapter that I just read doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's what this guy is telling me after I just read 15 or so pages of this. 
But why doesn't it matter? Because the uprising has already begun and it's unstoppable. So whatever verdict you've given here over the treaty and the hut's dereliction of duty or the guilt of the Sith defiling the ancient fountain doesn't matter because shit's already popping off all over the galaxy and you can't put the lid back on the Coke bottle once you fill it with Mentos. It was just why we just had to follow procedure, basically. Right. But for this guy to step in and go, all that shit you just read doesn't matter. It made me so mad. It made me so mad because this part of the book was already so boring. Mm-hmm. I thought Lando and Jaina were going to do something cool. And then they didn't. They went and sat down in the middle of this, <laughs> like did. in the middle of this wild conflict erupting. Everybody decides to chill out and have a trial. It didn't take a long time though. No, because it didn't matter. No, it took like a total of what? Maybe 45 minutes. And so I'm sitting there being mad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this guy's telling me this doesn't matter. So this chapter doesn't exist for nothing. If the events of the chapter don't matter, right? Mm-hmm. The verdict that they gave over the rulings of the guilty parties of defiling the fountain. If that doesn't matter, what must then matter out of this chapter? Why does it exist? I don't know. <laughs> I I was like maybe just to show maybe we're showing the uh I don't know <laughs> maybe we're showing how no matter what these things are coming to the surface regardless like yeah these tensions between slave owners and slave beers is it's it's over like this is a conflict that now has reached a certain point in the consciousness of, of, of society in the zeitgeist where enough of the galaxy believes this is the wrong thing that you're not going to be able to, to quell these uprisings. You're not going to be able to suppress the fomenting insurrection all around you. Right. But okay. Maybe like, but that's like such a subplot of the story. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's all it was. It doesn't matter. Things were going bad anyways. And, it should that's showing itself through all different places in the galaxy is it is it important that jaina and lando watched the sith backstab each other in the courtroom where the the higher up sith threw the lower up sith right under the bus and he was like i guess i die and he shut his mouth and he died like he's sentenced and whatever is that important that the two of them watched the sith betray each other no i don't think so that's pretty much already what they Jaina thought of it. Expected of their character. Yeah, and Jaina thought... Well, she knew exactly what was happening, for sure. But I just mean, like... Is it important for them to have witnessed that somehow? What am I missing out of this chapter? Did did they get some Wintrium? We later find out, no. Nope. So... What? There's some alluding to... Something good for the Sith came out of that. Um... Yeah, there is. But we don't know what. No. And maybe it'll all just come up later. Well, like, just know. overall, like, uh, as far as the, the themes go or the narr- the the central narrative goes, what did this chapter serve? <laughs> just compounds onto the slavery I'm not theme. Sure. That's it. Because <clears throat> it just it doesn't involve any of our main characters. That's why I don't care about it. Jaina <laughs> shows up at the end and she's like, stamp a piece of paper and send someone to jail. 
Yeah. But this is a problem between the Sith, the like two previously nameless Sith, right? Mm-hmm. This is a problem between the Sith and the dog people and the huts. The huts don't care. The Sith don't care. I don't care. Jane is only there for the last minute. Nobody else is involved. Luke's not there. It's a big deal. Ben's gone. Vistar is gone. Don't fucking care. Nobody really <laughs> cares except for the dog people. And they care a lot. Yes, they do. <laughs> I wonder what the Nikto are up to. Chapter 20. Jedi Temple, Coruscant. The Mando leader gives the Jedi a 36-hour deadline. And he cuts off their communications. Let us not forget, the Jedi Temple is once again surrounded by Mandalorians shouting, Give us your crazies or else. Yeah. A little bit more than last time and a little bit heavier armed. but Yes. And now a 36-hour deadline. And the Jedi, Tim, are in a comfy cage. Remember? Yes. Last time? Comfy cage is still cage. Still comfy. They're running out of supplies. They're running out of supplies. They're running out of time. They're running out of ideas, which is ridiculous. How about run out the door with your lightsabers, all 50, 100 of you, and fucking kill these idiots? <laughs> sure, it's against the Jedi Code or whatever, but yeah, they're running out of supplies. They're running out of time. Oh, remember also last chapter that didn't matter? That one Sith sold out the other one, and Jaina says... A Jedi would never force responsibility on somebody else like that, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, a Jedi would never force their subordinate to face the consequences of their actions in order to, to get away scot-free. It's something that disgusts her about the Sith. And, well, she's right. Because we're in a meeting, emergency meeting of the Jedi Council. Hamner's assistant, Connie Asari, who everybody... Was hating on the fact that he had an assistant. He's such a goon. He can't do the job. Blah, blah, blah. She volunteers to take responsibility as the Mando negotiator. Yep. Because anybody else of higher rank that goes out there is going to be arrested for trade bait. <laughs> you know, like, or maybe killed. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, that's like a far shot. That's that's way off in the distance. But they're like, oh, Hamner, you're going to, they're going to take you. If we send out a master, they'll take them because they want collateral they want leverage really what they're saying they want is the two crazy jedi yeah and that's what doll has been saying all along give me your crazy jedi and we'll be good but you know she volunteers to go negotiate with the mandalorian out there because he's all loud with the speaker and his helmet off and stuff because a jedi wouldn't force anybody to do that right see Mm -hmm. they wouldn't force someone to take a responsibility that they should have. They'll let somebody else volunteer yeah. to take that responsibility, yeah. but I would never force you to do that. The and Jedi gently are try and talk them out of it. Yes. You don't have to While do that. While also supporting her by pushing her in the back. Yeah, just probably, a you know, little nudge. You yeah. don't have to as I shove you out the door. <laughs> they send Connie out to begin negotiations with the loud Mando leader, but apprentice Connie Asari is neither of the two crazy Jedi that Mandalorian Belok Rawl is here for. She's not either one of the prisoners that they want. So when she steps out onto the steps of the Jedi Temple, he shoots her dead. Yep. Shoots her instantly dead. Yeah, from like three feet away. On this front door of the Jedi Temple. Mm Mm-hmm. There's never been an act so aggressive in the history of Coruscant since Order 66 and the overthrowing of the Republic. Yeah. This is a high-level event. Mm-hmm. 
He shoots her dead on the steps of the Jedi Temple, but hey, she volunteered. <laughs> so, Tim, let me ask you a question. Uh huh. Rhetorical question. Okay. <laughs> As a podcast cue. What happens when a Mandalorian executes a Jedi apprentice on the steps of the temple under the authority of Chief of State of the Galactic Alliance? Find out next week when we cover Beta the Jedi, Book 5, Allies, Chapter 21 through 24. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Bing, bang, boom, volunteered for doom. Bad things are happening. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.